Scarantino, and this is the Get the Fuck Off podcast. Every week, I'm going to be talking about a new topic to help you guys get the fuck off the shit that doesn't serve you anymore. But first, let me tell you a little bit about me. I used to work as a bartender, and I lived in the New York City bar scene. I smoked between a pack or two a day, and I was what you'd call quite overweight. I learned that the secret to adopting a healthy lifestyle is a series of mindset shifts. Unfortunately, they don't always come with an owner's manual, so I decided to start this podcast to give you guys the nuts and bolts without you having to do all the research on your own. Getting healthy does not mean you have to sacrifice your outstanding personality, and it actually can be quite a fun journey. I'm really excited to have you guys on that journey with me. Let's get off together. Everybody, welcome back. To the Get the Fuck Off podcast on this second day of spring 2022. I saw a meme over the weekend that says when it's over 60 degrees, I am no longer mentally ill, which I totally relate to. I just wanted to put that out there at the beginning of the podcast. Also to tell you guys that I have a cold. No, I don't have COVID. I have a cold. Um, I did a random job at the beginning of this week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, where I actually was required to take two COVID tests for this job along with everybody else that did this. And because we did this, following that experience, even though everybody tested for COVID and everybody tested negative for COVID, um, I still got this cold, which started as a head cold and now it's moving its way down and I'm really enjoying that. Um, But it was an unmasked studio audience gig, and I wanted to kind of talk about that on the podcast because this whole episode is really going to just be about some stuff that's going on in my life. And I want you all to just mine the gems that you can. I'm going to give you a little bit of an insight into some stuff that's going on. It's going to be very conversational. I'm probably going to keep it short because it's hard for me to talk for a long time because I sound like shit. (laughs) But I wanted to talk to you guys about about that experience and some other experiences that I had this week because a lot of my work right now in the Western Rebellion is focused on talking about the concepts in Western society that leave us feeling less than. And one of the concepts that leaves us feeling less than is this idea of staunch individualism, which is how we were all raised. Like you got to stand out, right? Like you have to make sure that you're bartering and climbing on top of people and everybody is in a rat race to get to the top of the ladder and there there just is no ladder and there is no top and this week I actually got on a call it was a sales call which I asked for because I I showed interest in this person and I, I think I showed interest in her because she crawled into my Facebook DMs and she was not very personable I mean she was asking like like uh, stock questions that you give stock answers to so immediately I was like oh I hate this so I did the whole game of you know I hate this I really I hate doing this I hate doing this this process with people so you know if you have something that you want to ask just fucking ask it and she asked if I wanted to get on a call which was a short call so I said sure so we got on a short call and she was very lovely and she asked if I wanted to get on a longer call which I knew was going to be a sales call but I was really interested in just her and the kinds of things that she was doing because she seems like a really inspirational person. And I'm going to tell you what, like I was reminded 
on that call of the types of things that keep people and and I had been victim to um, f- basically things that keep people from being happy and satisfied and moving forward because for a lot of my life people would come at me with this whole there's something wrong with you and you should want more than what you have because what you have is lacking and that's the way that we sell things in western society right I mean I mean she was I think catching the vibe that that wasn't what I was really about and was modifying her language but I I could sense the undertones of you should want more you should want more you should want more and I, I agree. I agree that people should want more. Like, I, I 100% agree with that. You should want more. Sure, of course. Why would you not? But more is not the path to happiness. Happiness is right now. And inner peace is really the, the, the ticket. Because you can have more and more and more and more. Gary Vee just did a video on his Instagram over how he knows, I don't know how many people he said that make more than 10 million or billion. I forget exactly. It was some asinine number. Uh, dollars a year and are miserable and then he knows people that are making $67,000 a year that are perfectly happy and content so just so you know the more the more 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 is not going to lead you to feeling inner peace it's just fucking not but we're taught that in western society like climb higher feel better get more and we do that with our individualism so in our individualism we tend to forget And this kind of goes into my identity work as well because I do identity work with people. I'm going to cover that a little bit later. But we tend to forget that we're all here for each other, not to spite each other. We're not here to be at war with each other. And when we feel at war with each other, a lot of times we feel this deep inadequacy. And I used to, you know, I'm – I was an addict. I was an alcoholic. Uh, Smoked cigarettes for 15 years. Never really got into drugs, but I know a lot of people who did – And through those parts of my life, I learned that most people just, it all stems from this hole that people are trying to fill if they're not enoughness. Like, I don't feel like enough. And when they don't feel like enough, they want to reach for a substance that's going to make them feel better and more complete. Because they think that that completion comes from something outside of them. So coming out of addiction, and I I don't really talk a ton about addiction because this is so much bigger than addiction. Like this is bigger than, I mean, addiction and, you know, weight loss and, you know, identity work really is just this idea that you're looking outside of yourself and you feel like you're not enough because of what you're seeing. And not all the while not realizing that you have created your identity and you can change it at any time. Like you have the, the ability to change your identity at any time. I was a cursing cigarette smoker who hated everyone and hated everything and now I I mean what two three three months ago I was sitting meditating with crystals on a rock in Sedona on a vortex (laughs) like you can change your identity at any time um I used to be a drink until four o'clock in the morning at the bar kind of person I'm sober over two years I went to one of the lowest rated high school schools in northeast Pennsylvania I have a Columbia degree I mean you can literally change who you are at any time at any time I was overweight and now I'm a marathon runner who PRs every time I sit out to run a marathon try not to jinx myself I want the next one to be a PR as well but you get what I'm saying anytime anytime that you want to 
And the way that you do that is by negotiating with your inner self, not with your outer self. But Western society doesn't say that. It tells us, no, it's all out there. You got to prove yourself to everybody out there. Out there is where it is because this is a competition. This is a ladder. And it's like, well, actually, that's just something that you were taught by Western society. So if you're listening to this and you're in the West, you probably relate to this story that you are in competition, that you're climbing, that you're, you're getting somewhere and you're going somewhere. And other parts of the world do not believe that. Other parts of the world believe that we are a cohesive whole. And if it comes down to quantum physics, you know, real science, real science, that actually proves that we are a cohesive whole. And I mean the matter of your body and the matter that exists as your comforter on your bed and the air that you're breathing and the tree that's outside your window and the gasoline in your car and the m- molecules of water in the ocean were actually, are not actually separate things. We're actually a cohesive whole. So all humans, even though we have the perception of being separate, we're actually a cohesive whole. Now, I know that's hard for Western ears to buy, but baby, it's, it's science. I can't, you can't fucking argue with it. You know what I mean? Like Google it. Um, or I'll give you a list of books to read if you send me a, an email, Andy at getthefuckoff.com. Too easy on Andy. Um, but yeah, that is, uh, that is, that's the way that it is. So we are here for each other. For, we're for each other. We're not battled against each other. And a lot of times people with their imposter syndrome, like when they're trying to change their identity career-wise or otherwise, the thought is always, well, what are those people going to think of me? Well, it, it doesn't, they're, they are you. So it, they're, if you want something, those people are the accelerant. They're not your roadblocks. I know there are times when people can be roadblocks, which I'll get into later. But I, in my experience, in my life, whenever I've needed something, the teacher has appeared for me. I haven't had to look or try very hard. I just focus on what I want and teachers appear for me. And that is more customary in the East. It's not so customary in the West. But I was thinking about this a lot this week because I got an email about being a studio audience for this show. And I can't tell you anything about the show because of a non-disclosure agreement that I signed. But I can tell you that I was um, in the studio audience for this show. And I realized, I thought it was going to be this fun little gig, but it actually ended up being an acting job. Like 10-hour set days, early call time. Like I had to be there like at butt early in the morning, which meant I had to get up butt early in the morning. I was getting up at 4 o'clock in the morning so that I could write notes back to my clients. I pushed all my meetings to the end of the week. And I had I had other meetings in addition to client meetings. So it was just a very stressful week to be just to be able to do that, that one thing. And I get to this job and – Quickly, I am dissatisfied because my ego didn't didn't care for it because everybody was younger than I was and the people that were talking to me didn't have anything good to say and I have created as part of my identity, which is just a story, by the way, that intelligence is the most important thing. So I was very, I felt very inadequate by being there because, well, I mean, people aren't, aren't adding value to my life. You know, I mean, we were at lunch the, the one day and this girl was saying to me, what's your favorite kind of donut? We were having a debate this morning about donuts and what your favorite kind of donut is. And I, I have a friend and said, this is his favorite kind of donut. And my favorite kind of donut is this. And 
I'm going to put a poll on my Instagram story about donuts. And I'm thinking, my God, why am I suffering through this conversation? How the hell old are you? Why are we talking about donuts? Oh, my God. Can't we talk about the meaning of life? Oh, my God. I want to kill myself. And this is like my my ego, right? I'm doing this. And, of course, because this is an acting job, during most of the day, we're not having conversation at all. We're kind of just standing around, fucking around, not doing much. So my ego is saying, I could be home. I could be sending an email. I could be reaching out to people for coaching conversations. I could be reaching out to these people. You know, my ego thinks it's important. So it, it thinks that I should be somewhere else doing something else, doing something to move my life along. This is what my ego thinks. So I, I was basically having to remind myself be here now Andrea be here now Andrea be here now Andrea like for like three days you know sometimes I talk to my ego like it's a little kid when I I can't uh I can't get myself into present moment because of course it wants to run away and and think about all the places that it would rather be a lot of people do this in their jobs they think about how they would rather be somewhere else doing something else because damn it my life is going to start when I get out of here you know that's that's how it goes so I was there and I was bitching and I was not, I mean, it was a lot of standing, a lot of quiet and a lot of dumb conversation when there was conversation and I just couldn't get myself in a present moment and I was trying. And then on the third day, uh, keeping this, the details to a, a very, very innocuous level, um, one of the people was asked, uh, one of the people on the show was asked why they moved from one place to another and they said that they're spouse had been diagnosed with a terminal illness and I was just so humbled by that because I thought here's this person that is at the height of their career they are on national television on a major network show and I'm the audience like I'm the audience for this person and think about it and I know it's easy to think of it intellectually but try to get into your heart if you can right now take a deep breath and picture yourself at the height of your career on national television, on a major network show. And you just said something about a deeply personal adversity where someone you love deeply is very ill with a, a very serious illness. And there's no one there to hear you. No one there to give you love or good energy or, or or clap for you or root for you like can you just imagine yourself in that position without the audience it just would it would not be the the same and someone has to be the audience you know sometimes it's your turn to win and sometimes it's your turn to clap and that's how life is like we always our egos want to tell us that we're always supposed to be winning but sometimes it's our turn to clap and um I've been thinking a lot about that because I've been thinking about how we are a cohesive whole and there are moments where your life is is seemingly insignificant and you're not. You're just the audience that day. Like I, I am starting to learn that my life is not about fame or acknowledgement, but it's about service. My life is about service. My mom's life has been about service. I, I was born into it, but you, if you believe in Zen, you might believe that you chose your parents. I don't know. But I... My life is about service and I knew it when I was a bartender and I know it now. And when I was a bartender, you know, think about your wedding. What would your wedding be without the bartender if you're not sober? I mean, think about your wedding. 
Have you ever been to a dry wedding? I mean, they're fine. I mean, but even then, you need someone to make your non-alcoholic cocktails. Like, you need the people that are serving the food. You need people that are playing the music. There has to be somebody there to be your audience. That is the way that it works in our world. And the Western way, we don't like to think of it that way because we always think that we're in those lull moments that we are inadequate. And it's like, no, we're just somebody else's audience. We're here for each other. And that is important to know. Um, Very, very important. This past weekend, speaking of being here for each other, I was uh, listening to, I was, I got on a call, uh, Coach Sean Smith was doing some coaching demos and he was talking about the lighthouse and how if you're a teacher, you know, you teach. And a lighthouse is, does not turn on its light after the boats have come in. A lighthouse turns on its light before, like long before the boats are even visible. And he was talking about teaching and how you should teach even if there's one person in the seat. And then he said that if you have a message in your soul, it's not for you. This is Coach Sean Smith. I think his Instagram handle is at Coach Sean Smith. I think the same on Facebook. Really inspiring guy. But he said most of us have been programmed in a way that has shut down our soul's purpose. And because of that, we're not aligned with not just our soul's purpose, but our soul's obligation. We're all born with this divine purpose but western society doesn't get us into the habit of being curious when we're young we get put into standardized curriculum so we're not in practice to be curious so we go through standardized curriculum and then we're lost when we're older because we still feel the soul's purpose but by this point we've spent so much time building in a standardized curriculum and trying to figure out where we fit in I mean I remember for years I was trying to figure out how to fit my soul's purpose into a job. And then I realized, well, there isn't a job to fit my soul's purpose. So I'm just going to make my job up because this is what I do. And obviously no one's created this for me. So I'm going to create it. I got to I gotta eat. So I'm going to create a job and I'm going to go have that job. And this is, this is how I make money now. It's actually kind of awesome when I think back on it. Um, but a lot of people, you know, you're, you're shoved into this standardized curriculum. And then you start building and through all of this standardization, we start building identities. And Western society teaches us one thing that's a little bit different than, than how I did things. And I'm not saying that there is a right or wrong way to do things. But what Western society tells you to do is to get immediately started on the goal line. So in life, we have two lines of learning. Um, we have, well, not lines of learning. We have two lines of evolution. So we have the goal line and the learning line. So the goal line is everything that we achieve here in uh, our lives. And the learning line is everything that we learn, our spiritual evolution. It's an inward journey, not an outward journey. And Western society tells you, get started on the goal immediately. You go from elementary school to middle school to high school to college to graduate school to a job and then you get a promotion then you get another promotion don't take a lateral move promote 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 get to the top baby there is no top it was a lie it was all a lie and you should be successful by the time you're 25 it was a lie they lied 
<sighs> that's what they tell you to do. And of course, you know, a 25 year old's got it all fucking figured out, right? Like, I, I mean, I, I think that it's, it's interesting always to talk to 25 year olds because they're already feeling the stress. They're already feeling like, oh shit, I'm a failure. I need to make sure that I get this done. It's got to get done within the next year, two. Because this is it, man. I'm already behind. And I felt that way at 25. I felt that way at 25. It took me until I was 35 to realize I was never behind. I was right on time. Because I didn't have all the years and the experience and the accumulation that I needed. I mean, I remember just feeling like I didn't have anything to contribute at 25. Because I was still acquiring. I was still learning. I was still going through the things I needed to go through to be able to add value in the way that I was meant to add value. And if I look back towards everything that's happened to me throughout my life, it's all added up. It's all been part of the, the whole. I just didn't see it that way at the time because I was looking around and I was like, nothing's here. Why is nothing here? So we, we get told to get started on the goal line right away. And we don't really get started on the learning line as quickly as as we could and the learning line is really important because it brings to you awareness and peace and you really feel like you're growing like some of my major change in my life up until I was 32 was completely invisible I mean when I was 22 I was the most hateful person that you'd ever meet and people would come across me and I just started working with somebody new this last week and she said and she's she's known me a while and she said to me, when I first met you, I thought, God, that girl hates me. And I said, I, I didn't hate anybody but myself. I was like, I hated myself. And because I hated myself, everybody outside of me thought that I didn't like them. Because I either said so or I behaved like I didn't like them. I behaved like a hateful person, but the hate was all internal. It was because I felt out of alignment I felt like I wasn't in the place I wanted to be it was because I lacked the confidence to do what I wanted to do and because of it I had a lot of uh, a lot of self-hate and I treated a lot of people very badly for a long time and I don't live in guilt over that I've made peace I know there's a lot of people that will never forgive me for that and I've made peace with that too because I, I couldn't do this today if I didn't live 10 to 15 years as the angriest sort of person just such an angry, self-loathing person. So my learning line evolution came really early. A friend of mine, I remember I was like 23 or 24, and I was boasting about how intelligent I was. And she said, I think your emotional intelligence is a little low. And I was like, oh, God, you're so right. You're so, so right. So, you know, we, we, we're always trying to, our ego is always trying to get us into this spot where it's telling us that we're not good enough because of where we are on the goal line. But if you're doing evolution on the learning line, you're growing. You're growing on the learning line. You get to take that with you. I mean, if you're a spiritual person, that carries over until the next life, the next incarnation, you know. So that's, that's great. The goal line, you shed that with your body. That doesn't really matter. But what you do accomplish and your lessons will benefit the whole forever that's the cool thing but if you are not a spiritual person you don't have to buy any of that but I will tell you that some of the things that kept me moving forward on the goal line was this feeling of inadequacy because I had done a lot of learning before I had done a lot of work on building something here on the goal line a lot of people that I know right now come to me with issues with their identities and go call themselves names, say that they're, they're losers, they're all these things. And I'll say, you know, 
you're not. Like, why would you say that? You, you see this with addicts that they've been using for five, six, seven years and they get sober or they get clean and they're like, I'm such a loser. And it's like, you've done more learning in those five to seven years than some people do in their entire lifetimes. So you don't need to ever think that you're a loser because you're not. You've learned more in that period of time. You have acquired more growth in that period of time. So I don't care if you never created something yet. I mean, you have created just because as a human, you are a creator. But if you haven't, if you're not, you know, some famous whatever, it doesn't matter because you still have time. And no matter what, your role in life is extremely powerful. It's very powerful. It's divine. Just like the studio audience at that show. Like it is divine. Every time that you open your eyes, just by existing, you have a divine purpose in this world. And a lot of people have these really big feelings of inadequacy because they're not where they want to be on the goal line and they haven't done enough and they haven't been enough. And identity is huge. Like identity, the identity of how you define yourself, it, it really determines how you appear in the world. So if you have an identity that says you're one thing, that identity is going to try to hold you in place. I see this a lot with people that have been victims of diet culture for a long time because they associate working out as something that is out of alignment with their identities because diet culture is evil and working out is diet culture and I can't work out. And then what happens? They stay overweight, right? Well, we weren't taught in Western society the benefits of working out. I mean, I remember I if you get on my email list, I think this is the first email, the, like my welcome email that I send to people. I think the first email you'll get will contain this story. By the way, you can sign up for my Western Rebellion emails at breakfree.getthefuckoff.com. Uh, they're great. But I think it's the first email. I, I send a, a welcome email to everybody that signs up. And I think I talk about this story about how when I was in high school, I stopped dressing for phys ed. And my mom tells me this story. And I definitely have told it on the podcast. But if this is your first episode, I'm going to tell it again. I stopped dressing for phys ed. And my mother said to me that the school called and had told her that I had stopped dressing for phys ed. And she said, Andrea, what? why did you stop dressing for phys ed? And I said, mom, I have dressed for phys ed and taken enough phys ed classes that I need to pass for the year. I'm not doing it anymore. <laughs> like I'm just, I'm not fucking doing it. Because that was, because I was never explained to why as to why I would exercise. If I had been told about the cognitive benefits, about the emotional benefits, about the mental health aspect, if I had been taught about all of those really insanely powerful concepts even just the being in the present moment I mean I think I talk about distance running as the way that I talk to God I know you're, if you're not spiritual it's okay because God guru and self are all the same so it could just be talking to yourself that's basically what I mean when I'm distance running I am thump thump having a sometimes I'm having a full-on conversation with myself talking out loud I don't even wear airpods sometimes and people will just have to see that I'm talking to myself no one has ever questioned it but I never knew in those times that I wasn't dressing for phys ed, that there was a reason why I should prioritize physical education. 
And if I look back to all those people that I had taken phys ed with, I know now I'm having deja vu. I know I've talked about this on the podcast because I thought, oh, God, what if one of them listens? But I am more fit than most of the people that I graduated from high school with. I am a marathon runner. Like, I'm just – I'm more fit than most of them. That's not a slap to the people that I went to high school with. It's just fucking facts. And – so obviously, like, going through that curriculum didn't fucking matter, number one. But number two, if the why had been explained to me in a way that took weight loss out of the equation and just made me see, like, oh, there are some real fucking benefits to working out, I might have adopted that early. But instead, I, like a lot of women, lumped that in with diet culture. And so, of course, I, I refused it because I saw all these women that were suffering in diet culture and talking about their trips to the gym and struggling with their weight, struggling with their appearance, struggling with everything. So I, I would just put my hand out to it. I mean, I did that with eating healthy as well. A lot of people do that with eating healthy. They will just shove their hand in someone's face because it's lumped in with diet culture. I used to do that. My, my friend Christine, who got me into the, my first whole life challenge, um, the Whole Life Challenge was the first program I ever did uh, to learn healthy habits. I talk about it a lot. But Christine, for years before this, was exercising and eating right. And I uh, associated everything she did with diet culture. So I would be aggressively rebel, like would, would rebel aggressively against this. I would, you know, she would be eating her her paleo food and I would get a barbecue burger from the restaurant. And I, I mean – Almost to spite the idea of being a healthy person because I associated all of the healthiness, which is good, with negative things like diet culture. This is how powerful identity is. I remember one time she said to me, you eat like you're going to the electric chair. <laughs> and she was totally right. I, I did. I absolutely did. Your identity will determine the things that you choose to do versus not do. It'll determine the things that you choose to learn versus not learn, who you choose to learn from. And if you're keeping your mind, body, and spirit in alignment with your soul's purpose, I'm telling you, everyone you run into is a teacher. They are here to teach you something. It might not be a massive lesson. It really might not be. It, it might, like sometimes someone will get in my way when walking their dog when I'm running and the dog will get in my way and I'll go, Ugh. and anytime you have that reaction where you close rather than open, that's some, that's a teacher. That teacher is teaching you, oh, this is where, like, wh why, why are you resisting right, right in that small space? So it could be something very, very small in the resistance, but everyone that comes to you is a teacher, not just people that are ahead of you on the goal line, not just people that are ahead of you. On, uh, well, I mean, there isn't really an ahead on the learning line because we're all here to learn different lessons. So if somebody is coming to you to teach you, then they're coming to you to teach you. So don't let your, your, your ego and identity get in the way of that because ego and identity are really powerful. I mean, I have so many examples, so many examples of ego and identity. Um, and I, I do identity work. You would be surprised at the things – looped into identity that'll keep people in a place where they don't want to move forward we are so sickeningly tied to our identities so much people used to call me by my 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 birth name my given name Andrea I mean and I had some friends in college like my my friend Carrie used to call me Andrea Melissa because that is my name and I let her it was a joke but if people would call me by my name I used to get angry like 
angry. Don't call me that. That's not my name, but it is my name. It's on my birth certificate, right? That's my name. My mother calls me that. I never got angry at her because she gave me the name. (laughs) But I would get angry at people that would call me by that name. And I realized after, you know, as I was already on the path, like I had already started to get things in order, I realized that I, as I started to change my identity, I had quit smoking, I'd start started running marathons, I had let go of a lot of these behaviors that I had that I looped into my identity. As I started letting go of those things, when people would call me Andrea, I it didn't seem to bother me because Andy was an identity that I had created. It was a whole mood. Like Andy is a whole mood. There is, and I actually have a, a new friend who may or may not listen to this, named Andy. And he said, I just love to know Andes. I want to know all the Andes because we're all a certain way. And I was like, yeah, you're right. It's a whole mood. Andy's a whole mood. And um, that was that was part of the identity that I had created and was so steadfast in, in hanging on to. And so when you would t- try to take that away from me, I would be like, who are you to not call me by the name I have given myself? Like, fuck you. This is my name, but it's not like you could, you could call me fucking horse dick yeah, at this point, <laughs> fucking care of and like, please don't write me an email and address me as horse dick. I'll be, I'll probably not enjoy it. Actually, I don't give a shit. That would be funny if somebody actually writes me an email. Hey, horse dick, how are you? But seriously, you know, I, you can call me anything now and I'm not, I, I don't really have an attachment in that area, but I had a big attachment to my, my nickname because it was, it was part of the identity that I had created. And part of that identity was the hypermasculine. Andy is a hypermasculine. Um, you know, it's an androgynous name, but it highlighted the masculine aspects of me. And so when you would try to make me feminine, anybody, in a time that I didn't want to be feminine, I my ego didn't like it. So it's like little things like that can really watch where you get tied up watch where it it hits you for all of you it's going to be different if something hits you you get hit with a bout of resistance keep your eyes open your mind open and have the awareness if it's getting you if it's causing a reaction that's a place where you're stuck we're all going to have identities identities are going to live with us they're part of our ego we carry them but they are changeable they're not static you created the identity you have you just did it so long ago you don't remember doing it so the work that i do is helping people break out of those identities and I have some tried and true strategies that I use um, that I've used on myself that I use on my clients a lot of times if there's something that you want to do like let's say you want to like lose a bunch of weight well a lot of times we got to go in the back door with that because you already have an identity and an idea in the front door about how you think that's supposed to go and it's likely wrong because you're overweight I mean if you were you know what I mean so like a lot of times we have to go in the back door I learned this from honestly my own experience because I had to go in the back door with recovery I thought, oh, I'm going into sobriety. And then I got into recovery without knowing I got into recovery. And that's why sobriety stuck. Had I gone into sobriety with the idea that this is just sobriety, it would not have panned out the same way. So it's a, it's a backdoor method. But, and not but, and, and, everything that I do is centered around you. It's tailor-made. You have the answers. You have the answers. I don't have them. I don't have your answers. I only have the questions. Because you tied your own knots. So you are the one that can untie them. So if this is piquing your curiosity in any way, 
you can send me an email, Andy, A-N-D-E-E, at getthefuckoff.com. Visit me on my website, getthefuckoff.com. You can sign up for my Western Rebellion emails at breakfree.getthefuckoff.com. I will put all those links in the show notes. It was good to have you guys back for another week. I apologize for my voice. I hope it wasn't too irritating to listen to, and I'm sure I'll be better by the next time I record. Um, But I hope you guys have a wonderful week. Take care, be safe, and I will see you back here next time. Thank you.